Welcome back to the HTV Creative Fuse podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, part of the creative team here at HTV Creative in downtown Dalton, Georgia. I'm hanging out today with Whitney and Brandon Kaywood, local creatives working in Dalton on a documentary. They also have a successful photography business and a do you want to kind of explain what else you do? I don't know the best way to explain this. I was going to ask you. And introduce yourselves. I'm Whitney Kaywood. Uh, Brandon and I are married. We have a business that we do together that I primarily run. It's basically the easiest way to explain it is it's a stock photography business. So we take photos. Say you have like a t-shirt shop, but you don't want to print all of your products. All you would need to do is create your designs and then buy the stock photography, put your designs on my image and then use that over and over. So all I'm selling is a digital product. I primarily sell on Etsy, but in the coming year, I'm going to be building my own like subscription website and selling courses and things like that. But that's my main gig. I also do a little bit of photography outside of that. We have one contract with the chamber and then a couple of clients that I work with throughout the year. But that's my main, actually my main gig is I'm a mom. I'm also a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. (laughs) But my kids go to, um, my oldest is at Brookwood and my youngest is at like a mother's morning out. So I have a little bit more free time. But yeah, that's what I do. Because I was looking it up. You were telling me kind of what y'all did and I checked out both of your websites. So you're an incredibly talented photographer. Um, And I was looking at yours and you said stock photography and my head immediately goes to like this like stock photo image search sites (laughs) or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like she has her own or like contributes to it or whatever. And I saw it and I was like, oh, no, this is way more niche and like really cool. And something that I have friends that have like T-shirt companies or like they want to. And they're like, well, we need to go take photos of these shirts and that. And I'm like, that's a lot of work. And for things that like you're not sure how they're going to do or whatever. So I think that that's a a creative way to help other creatives and offer that. She started out on Etsy with a T-shirt shop. Yeah. And she was buying these mock-ups from other people. And she's like, like, why don't oh, we just, just do that. shoot our own? And that, that transitioned into, well, why don't we focus more on doing that? Yeah, it's a great way to, to serve creatives because you can scale a business a lot quicker. Because like you said, you don't know if your design is going to sell. Yeah. Or if you have good SEO on whatever um, website you're using to sell your products on. So it's a good way to, to design like 200 designs yeah. and then just throw them on a mock-up. And versus it keeps the printing like really consistent if you're using so a lot of your images have that same sort of like background or color or whatever so if you're using the same ones it keeps the brand consistent or it keeps Mm -hmm. your models consistent or whatever so yeah yeah, that's awesome and then I am a commercial photographer that's my main thing I do advertising photography and I also do a lot of commercial video work so I I work with a lot of clients around Dalton with Shaw and other flooring places and then like she said we do a lot of stuff for the chamber a lot of people around here know me from the When You're in D-Town video. That, did you ever see? Have you seen that? No, but it's a, it's I would a like Dalton for you music video. To send me the link, please, <laughs> and we'll include it. We we did that for the Chamber, what 2018. It was like their video of the year, and it ended up going like local viral. Oh, that's on, cool. So it was really cool, and it was fun. It was like a music video about Dalton. So yeah, and then I do, like I said, commercial photography, commercial video. I also do a local vlog that I haven't done a lot. I did. I kind of got it up and rolling before the pandemic, then that hit and it kind of died right. down. But mm-hmm. I want to get that rolling, rolling again. And then we also run a local Instagram page called Experience Dalton. So, oh, that's awesome. That's yep. really cool. Everyone, check that out. So 
part of the reason that you're in here today is for another huge project that you're working on because you don't already have enough on your plate. <laughs> and I would love to talk to you about it. So if you want to introduce this project, which it's really cool too, they brought in a paper from today. Yep. Um, that has an announcement in it and a, an image that they created about it all. So go ahead and introduce this project and kind of how you got started and what it means to you. Both Brandon and I are freelance creatives. So like a lot of creatives, we get really bored doing the same thing over and over and over. So mm-hmm. of course, like we are entrepreneurs at heart. If we're not making money, then we're not doing a whole lot. But we love to have lots of projects going at the same time. But the, the good thing about what we do is we have more flexibility in our schedules than a lot of people. So we can pursue like passion projects that you just can't do at a nine to five. Yeah. Like I, I used to teach. So there's no way I could take on a project like this not whenever I was teaching. So we are really passionate about artificial dyes, and that sounds like kind of wacky, but we have a child that has a neurologic reaction to artificial dyes, and through a course of like elimination, we figured out that it was causing some intense neurologic behaviors and behavioral reactions with him. Long story short, we figured it out, and it solved almost all of our problems, and we thought if we we're having an issue with this, then everybody should probably know about it. And the more we researched, the more it felt like it was a dirty secret. Yeah. Because in other countries, this stuff is banned or there's a warning label on it. Yeah. We were so shocked because by nature, I like to be healthy. I, we mostly ate like organic food. Like I, I just lean into that. And I was so surprised I was giving my child something that could create ODD, ADHD type behaviors in my child. Since we have the free time and the resources and I'm married to the most talented human on the planet, I asked him, I was like, let's do a documentary. Let, let's talk to researchers. Let's figure out what's going on because we knew that this was happening, but we had no idea why it was happening. So that began our journey. And after some coercion, Brandon decided to go on this journey with me and... So now we have connected with all of the leading researchers in in the U.S. and in the U.K., quite literally the world's leading researchers. So in February, we are going to London and we're speaking with Dr. Jim Stevenson, which is the researcher that has done the most research on humans and artificial dyes. And he is the reason why all of Europe has a warning label. And then we're going to D.C. in December to connect with science for the public interest. And these people, it's incredible. I've read all this research. I've read about these people. They're famous in my mind. So we're connecting with them. And then we're also connecting with parents that have stories and a number of other experts outside of artificial dyes, just some health experts. But we are kind of filming it kind of vlog style. So it's going to be an interesting style. But the project is kind of like ongoing and it's like a... You know, it's we're we're still working out like how it's going to piece together and like the style of the of the actual documentary. But I think in our minds, it's kind of like catfish, like the the catfish show style, the way you know they film themselves talking a lot and like the traveling part and connecting with the. Well, I feel like filming y'all talking makes sense because it's such a personal journey for you. Right. Like you aren't just like I read about this thing and then we decided to make this documentary to like make money. Right. Exactly. it's, It's your life. It's something that you have to deal with every day, and you have to be extra conscious of because of what you've already experienced yeah so that 
that makes sense. Yeah. So it's kind of like investigative like catfish. But like you said, we wanted to make it personal. Honestly, like I don't love being on camera at all. I actually like hate it. But I knew in order to reach people, there has to be a personal connection. Like, I mean, there are a lot lot of documentaries where you just give information. But I, I feel like I relate a whole lot more to a story and a human. So that's the style that we're going for, just because we feel like that would make the, the largest impact. And maybe even more, like we say catfish, but there's actually a, a vlog channel I watch a lot called um, Yes Theory. So there's a YouTube channel called Theory. Yes Theory. Okay. Maybe the another style that kind of is like what we're going to do is uh, there's a YouTube channel called Yes Theory. They talk on the camera and do a lot of cool voiceover as they travel and stuff like that. So that's kind of that's kind of the vibe. I think right now the plan is for me to sort of narrate the documentary. The way we've done our advertising with like our poster and stuff is like a filmmaker goes on a journey with his wife. So I think I will probably do most of the narration and then Whitney will be one of the, the people in the documentary, like kind of the people speaking. Cool. And, uh, and then we'll also interview a bunch of other families and like she said, researchers. And so we're excited. <laughs> How did the planning process for this start? Because I feel like you don't just like start filming and you like jump into it and you're like, we're going to figure it out as we go. Maybe that's some of it. But how did it look for you to sit down and say okay we're actually going to do this let's figure out a plan or like an outline of what we're doing like what did that process look like for y'all all of our personal projects that we've done in the past kind of just have that they have this this little trend so we have an idea typically and a lot of the times that the projects have been something i've kind of hit up this project has kind of been more at whitney's wheelhouse because she's kind of done the research, found the people, but we have an idea typically. And a lot of times it's, it's hard to get people to get on board, but Whitney is, you know, put her foot to the pavement and she's sent hundreds of emails to people and she's done the research on who we need to talk to and she's found the families. And luckily once we get one good person locked in and we can say like this, per- this person's on board, mm-hmm. other people are more likely, oh, they're on board. Then, yeah. then this sounds like something we'd like to do too. So I think the first person you landed was Rebecca right mm-hmm. yeah there's a ted talk and her name is rebecca bevins bevins dr rebecca bevins dr rebecca bevins and her story is like so many other stories that we've heard it's very similar to our story mm-hmm. i mean different but very similar and so when he reached out to her and somehow convinced her to do it and so in this world in this community most a lot of people know who she is so like the second person that we got on board she actually found out about food dyes from that ted talk so like okay it kind of snowballed and then Rebecca connected us with a bunch of people, like the researchers and some of the Dr. Nig and having Dr. Nig on board and saying he's going to do it has helped us get some of the other researchers. So do you want to speak on that? Because you kind of did headed up all that. Yeah. So um, for me, my process is I, I like to spend several months in the envisioning and planning stage. So I did a whole lot of research on filming a documentary and we watched a lot of documentaries and we wanted to figure out like what kind of style we wanted and what kind of style we didn't want. A lot of documentaries about things that are dangerous for us in our foods, they're very scary and they make you feel like... It's like- dead inside almost yes shameful and like there's no hope I'm doing everything wrong that is not at all the style and the vibe that we're going for so we really wanted it to be light so in problem solving we're like how can we make such a scary topic and it is scary how can we make that light and feel like people have hope and feel like they can do it 
So that's why we decided to, to do like the vlog style because it it lends itself to a lot of like comedic humor okay. and it's just easiness, ease in watching and and like if if you know uh, like in scrolling through social media, you don't like to see like advertisements and things that feel heavy. You want it to be light and you mm-hmm. want it to feel easy. So we want our documentary to very much feel light and easy. So we figured out we wanted that vibe and um, and then I I knew that I needed some kind of an audience online and I knew I needed to to learn about people like me so I saw that there was a need online to have like a community and a group of parents primarily moms because moms just in general make decisions like that not to overgeneralize but but a group of parents that uh, came together to just kind of help each other in this journey so I created a Facebook in probably four months now a Facebook group called die free family and it quickly grew to almost 13,000 in about four months. And that's huge. Yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. And yeah. that is just a great proof of concept that there is a big need for more information because yeah. so many people are like, I know that this is an issue or or they have a child that has ADHD or autism or they're getting evaluated for um for something and they they want to try a more natural alternative first but they had no idea where to begin or what the research says or what dyes even were or how to find them on labels so i wanted to create a group that i could control that i could like help in the process because i spent over a year learning all of this stuff and i wanted to help other people so i created the group and then i started reaching out to researchers and i got a whole lot of crickets Yep. And then finally, my dream person, I wrote her on like through her website. I did all the normal things like emails. And then finally, I was like, I'm going to look her up on social media. (laughs) And I found her and I sent her a couple of messages. And then finally, she was like, "Okay, give me a week and I'll give you a call. And we talked on the phone for almost two hours. We had such an incredible rapport. And so, and it's 100% a God thing. I fully feel like we are in this position to help other people. And we really want to love people like Jesus and to, to help people. And from that point, it literally, she has connected us with this person, which has connected us to this person, which has connected us to this person, and which has led to Lisa, which has been incredible. And we have such a good rapport with her that we're actually staying at her house in D.C. Like, oh, cool. It has just been, which it's just Lisa been such is. a journey. She actually used to be the lead researcher. She's retired now. She retired, I think, last year. She was a lead researcher for Center for the Science and the Public Interest. So everybody we speak to has a PhD. <laughs> so they're very obviously very intelligent in either academia or their psychiatrist or psychologist but she's connected us with Dr. Stevenson so it has been like you said a snowball effect it's been incredible it's just a matter of getting these people on the phone with me so that they realize that we're real people and we're sincere we're not trying to twist their words and it has just led to some really incredible people that's really cool. I mean, this is like a huge project. Do you have, I know we were talking prior to recording, you guys are still in like the fundraising stage and kind of the planning and obviously making plans to go to London and DC. What is your kind of proposed launch date or like end date? And how do you plan on spreading the word about it as a whole? Like, are you going to show it at festivals? I don't know how documentaries work. Are there specific documentary festivals? Well, like what is... We don't necessarily know how they work either. This okay. is our first <laughs> endeavor, but our... I think our cool. plan is to, we plan to shoot and edit, hopefully within a year, hopefully we can, get, can complete it 
in a year and get get a finished version. And then we do want to submit to Sundance, which is okay one of the biggest. I mean, it's difficult to get into. It's not, but but we we want to give that a shot. So Sundance, you have to submit by late October, so of 2023. And if you make it to Sundance, oh, that's um, a tight window. It'll be I think it'll be in like February of 2024. But you can't submit a film to Sundance. It's already been released to the general public. So that has to be its like debut. Yeah. I think we can probably do some like closed premieres and like, you know, certain audiences and stuff like that. We can. Like for feedback kind for of thing? For feedback. Like not even for, a premiere. It's just like a right. yeah. like feedback I session. Locally. I don't, I don't, yeah. I haven't looked into it all the way, but I don't think you can like go ahead and put it on like streaming sites and stuff yeah. like that. You can't, it can't be like accessible to the general public. You know, they don't, they don't want people coming. It's that have already the seen it. It's so, the nature of the thing. Yeah. yeah. And so if, if we do get accepted to Sundance, then it'll be 2024 before it comes out. But if we don't, well, we probably will still surf the festival. Yeah. Like do that for, for a little while. And then dream goal would be for somebody like Netflix, Netflix or Amazon Prime to pick it up. And and if they don't, then you can always, you know, put it out yourself yeah. on, on those streams. So like Amazon, you can put it out. And then we will probably try to get some sort of agent in the process to, to help us like actually pitch it and stuff like that. So we gotta we gotta get a completed film first. And I don't know. It sounds like you're on the right track. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you are gonna miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, and we are speaking Sundance into existence. <laughs> like it is a one in a million, but we believe that it's gonna be yeah. that good. Like we really, really do. So once we have enough footage to put together an actual trailer, like the video you saw in the video that's online right now, it's our fundraising video. So the purpose of that is to get people to contribute to our film. Um, But once we have enough footage to have an actual trailer, we'll be able to work with agents probably in Atlanta. And we're not going to work with an agent that doesn't have some kind of connection to Netflix or Hulu because that's that's how you have to. You don't just send an email to, to Netflix. Be like, hey, yeah. look at my film. It doesn't work like that. You no. have to know someone. So we're going to hopefully work with an agent. Hopefully it'll be as... Uh, I'm pretty determined, so I'm going to knock on as many doors as it, as, as uh, I can find. Yeah, so. and the, the, just the nature of documentary, like it's a different world than like film you know the actual like movie so there's a lot of people out there doing podcasts and and things like that still there's a lot of things that we can watch and listen and i feel like too the nature of almost everything these days is like you already have to have a following to Mm -hmm. launch something new and it's like you do you have an entire facebook group of people all over the country that are like no we believe in this as well like we want to see this happen you've got you know huge names in academia and in the industry that are like no the story needs to be told so like you are on the right track in that way as well. And sort of bringing it back sort of like hyper-local, you both live in Dalton. Mm-hmm. You are from Dalton. Right. You are from near Dalton. Well, Blairsville. Blairsville. So about two Ridge, hours away. Okay. I'm like, it's anything within like a two-hour span to me she, is close. She moved here to go to Dalton State. So Okay. Is that where you met? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, well, well, no. We met, through, no. we kind of we pretty much met through friends no. and we went to the same church. And Brand, I, I was at the BCM. Okay. And so I actually State. attended college. Brandon went to the BCM not attending college to get free food. So... <laughs> Technically, yes, and uh, kind of yes, and kind of no. We, we both went to the same church, so he like slid into my DMs and was like, "Hey, do you go to Rockbridge?" <laughs> so that was like his. Uh, that that's basically where we met. It worked. That yeah. was my pickup line. <laughs> that was his pickup <laughs> Don't line. Don't you go to Rockbridge? Yeah. Yes, it, it worked obviously. Yeah. So, and you guys are really involved in the community. Mm-hmm. How has the community? And sort of like that smaller scale helped you get this off the ground, supporting you through this whole journey. 
what does that look like? So, like I said, we've done a couple of like personal projects in the past. I did a, a photo series back in like 2013 or 14, where I took pictures of like first responders like locally mm-hmm. and put posters together in like this like movie poster style. That was one of those ones that like nobody wanted to get on board at first. That one actually ended up going viral. Like, I we got flown out to like. New York by Yahoo to do oh, the interview cool. about that series. So we've done that, and then we've done a couple other things. So He's being I, very modest, it like truly went viral. There were blogs in Russia, China, like Yahoo Studios flew us out to do an interview with him. So we stayed in New York so they could interview him. Like it, Meredith Vieira talked about it on her show. Like it truly went viral. And before this, he was he was working at um, a rug company as a videographer, actually, but like he was just barely making it in like as a photographer and this like really skyrocketed his career and they people can see some of those on your website oh yeah because i saw them when i was like scrolling through it i was like this is really neat i didn't realize they were as big as they are so that's incredible and so we've done we've done projects like that so we've kind of established that like i said that dalton music video especially in like the local business market and the chamber stuff like that was a really big deal so we've kind of established that when we invest in a project, it's going to be good. So luckily yeah. with this, we we did like kind of a little private fundraising uh, event um, a few weeks ago to launch our campaign. At Dave and Polly's Emporium At downtown. Dave and Polly's Emporium. Cool. Right across the street. It's a super cute uh, art gallery. <laughs> yeah, we're good friends with David Aft and his wife Polly. And Oh, I'm familiar with the art gallery. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, They're right next to a client of ours. They're great. Yeah. Okay. And so we did that and that, that really helped kind of boost our so we have an indiegogo campaign going on right now i think we got like six days left but we'll actually have it set up to where even after the campaign's over people can still contribute so we had our first goal of five thousand dollars um we we met that goal so we're already past that now and our main thing with that fundraising is just we're just trying to get money for travel so like you said we've already got a washington dc trip booked and we've already got a yeah that's already covered our our london trip so locally i would say probably 60 75 percent of the contributions for that we've got so far have been like local and it's and it's people that we've developed relationships with over the past you know three or four years through working on things for other companies or through the chamber or stuff like that so it seems like people are are excited and believe in us and and feel like we're going to do something good so we've got a lot of local support so really proud of that yeah so we actually self-funded the first leg of filming so we've we've put a few thousand dollars in just ourselves just to get the project going and then now where we've asked friends and family in our community both online like our audience and then our friends and family locally if they could help us with the travel and if I'm being honest it's easier to make ten thousand dollars than it is to raise ten thousand dollars if I'm being honest it truly is but in terms of like whenever you're going for grants and whenever you're meeting with investors, like you want to be able to say, okay, we have this many people on board. We have like the community that wants to see this. It's more of a proof of concept. So the money that we've raised, we've raised about $6,000 so far is going to get us those next two interviews, which Mm -hmm. is really exciting. But equally as exciting to that is it's going to open up some opportunities for us to get some bigger grants, some maybe $20,000 grants and things that can really help make this film look like it belongs on Netflix or Hulu. The good thing, well, I guess it's like a catch-22. So we are very production-wise and crew-wise, well, obviously it's the two of us, we're very small. That's good. And since we're making a documentary for ourselves, we're not having to raise money to to pay a cameraman and a director and a 
and all these grips and things like that. But that does, you know, having to be a one man band to shoot a documentary like this, to having to pay attention to the sound and the composition and, and all that stuff. Luckily, Whitney is kind of handling the actual interviews when we're, when we're interviewing people so that. And directing. And directing. We're co- <laughs> I am a director. We're co-directing yeah. and she's, you know, she's handling a lot of the, the interview questions and stuff like that as we're doing the, so that's good. But we don't need as much money as a typical documentary. Like, yeah. I would say, if, uh, I would say, I mean, low, low price point on a feature length documentary is like at least $30,000 if you're doing it traditionally. Or $100,000 is still very yeah. low. Ooh, it just feels like, it's when when just you huge. look up research, like if you, if you went online right now and you Googled how much would it cost for me to make a documentary, they usually estimate like $1,000 a minute. So 90 minutes tip, I mean, that's $90,000. But luckily, like I said, we we're doing this ourselves. Oh. So that's a lot, a lot of money that we don't have to raise. But if we can get some grants and we can, you know, if we could raise thirty or forty thousand dollars, I think that would that would be very beneficial, not in just travel, but eventually we are gonna get to like the stages of where we need to start submitting these to Yeah. And there's like submission fees, there's submission travel fees, for that there's, too. There's there's, ad, there's marketing and all that kind of yeah. stuff like that. So eventually, you know, we will need this stuff. So hopefully we will get some grants. There's some local grants that we're gonna apply for. There are film grants, there's there's grants out there if you do have a female director, so yeah, so that helps, and so we're gonna we're gonna apply for all the grants and see what we can do. And so, yeah. where can people find your fundraising link, or like what is our website for the documentary is to die for the documentary dot com d y e not d i e t o d y e f o r the documentary dot com, and uh, there is a link at the top that says fund the film, so you can click on that and it'll show you the options for funding the film. Okay. Um, and then I have two more questions that are my favorite questions to ask everybody. What has been, which you have a, a long road ahead of you, but what so far has been the most challenging part and how have you either you are working on it or you have overcome it? Well, luckily for me, like I said, a lot of times on our projects, I, I'm heading up all the creative stuff and and things like that. But luckily for me on this project, Whitney has kind of taken over the the reaching out to people and she's we've done some of the like video chats together, but a lot of them she's done by herself. And so for me, the hardest part has been just envisioning how much work it's going to be just these interviews alone. So I'm shooting in 6k on cinema cameras and we're probably using 500 to a thousand gigabytes of data per interview. And so there's hard drives that we're (laughs) we're buying, have to keep all this on, having to back it up. So that that's what's the most difficult for me is like to learn and curve. Just the like, you go from you know the longest the longest form thing I've done to date is probably I did a short film that was like seven or eight minutes long. So yeah. thinking about the process Ooh. of doing a, a ninety minute long video and how much actual footage that will be versus having to whittle all that down. So that's daunting, but I'm excited about it. And luckily, these people are giving us like amazing sound bites so far and they're all very articulate and and that's making it easy they're really good on film and camera so that's making it easy so we've talked about how it's going to be vlog style so it's kind of like a a mix it's a lot of vlog style but like our interviews and our b-roll footage is all very cinematic so it's kind of a a mixed bag of okay like this real raw footage that we're shooting of us traveling and talking mixed with like this really polished footage of the interviews and stuff like that so for me yeah the hardest part is just like the the dauntingness of of all the work that's going to go into it. And then her hardest part will probably be 
different than mine. Yeah. So for me, I would say I'm having to overcome a whole lot of imposter syndrome. Oh, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah, And I'm sure everyone is. So like I have like two sides of me, one side that's like unstoppable. And when I mean unstoppable, I'm not going to stop. I'm relentless. And I have accomplished almost anything I've ever put my mind to. But then I go back and forth between being unstoppable and like, you're a stay at home mom. You are not a director. You cannot change policy. Like, what are you doing? And there's some validity to that. But I mean, you've got to put that to the side if you ever want to do anything big. Every Everybody who's ever done anything great has felt that way. So I try to keep that in mind. And luckily, I'm married to one of the most resilient people on earth. So I've seen him have to be resilient and through his projects where he could not, no one would answer his phone calls. No one wanted to be a part of them. And then they were huge. So just keeping in the back of my mind that we may be the only people that not that we are the only people that care about it right now, but sometimes it feels like we're the only people that know, that get it, you know, but just knowing and trusting our gut and intuition that like this can be great, that we're doing this for the people that need it and that the quality can be incredible and that we can accomplish it. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to do great. Also, the validity lies in the fact that you can be both a stay-at-home mom and a director. Yeah. You can be all the things. Well, I have laundry that's going right now. So there are some things that are falling apart, but. <laughs> no, they're just she, taking a back She seat. says that, but like, I think she's got it together more than 90%. Like, she's the type of person that she's like, the house is a mess. And people come in like, your house looks really clean. So yeah. she's thinking about it all the time, but, but she's got it together. Everything in life, we're our own worst critic. So yeah, for sure. And everybody else is like, I don't see what you see. What's Where's the problem? But, <laughs> yeah. And then, okay, so the very last question is, what has been so far the most rewarding part of this for me it's definitely been we've already helped people cool like in in this group that i've done um that i've created on facebook just in my circle there's been at least six of my mom friends that their child they went from having like a really traumatic experience a lot of behavior issues a lot of fits their home was not peaceful they were worried they're getting their child evaluated and then they found out that their child was sensitive to dyes. And for some, like in our case, dyes have completely eliminated our behavior issues. And it's not just like our child was misbehaving. Like these are things that doctors were concerned about, that we were concerned about, that um, that were really big issues. This isn't just like our child was throwing a tantrum. These were really not common issues. And so for us, it solved all of our behavior issues. For some, you may have an underlying ADHD, autism, emotional disturbance disorder. It just tremendously helps with that. But for me, the most rewarding part has been to see lives that of my friends that have been changed. Just to see that and to know how it feels to be really worried about your child and to know that the fix is just to eliminate dyes. Yeah. It feels like a really simple fix. It does. and But for a parent, they're like, how do you check every label how do you transform your whole life like everybody has to eat different but for someone that was really struggling and for the fix to simply be the food like it's a lot better than all the therapy it's a lot better than medication it's it's a whole lot easier than the road that we were looking down so for for me it's been definitely helping people and knowing that that this is a proof of concept that we've proven it, it is helping people the research is supporting it and that if we can help six people in dalton if we had a documentary i mean how many people could we help 
Yeah. That's definitely kind of been our, what's happened so far, but our vision for this is like, we know that we are lucky because we have access to time. We have, we've had access mm-hmm. to doctors. We've had access to be able to look into all this stuff and figure and it out. And we can afford the fancy organic food. Yeah. And we have those things, but there's so many people out there that not only do they not know that this is a thing, but they don't have the time to look into that. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're spending every freeman they have working and, and they, you know, there's families with lots of kids, Whitney taught. And there was, there was families that with eight kids that had like one bed between all the kids. So figuring out that food coloring is causing an issue is probably never going to happen. So in our mind, if we can get this information out there and just help people, first step is just this information and knowing that this is a thing. And then hopefully in our mind, our vision is that will cause more people to look into it, more people to want change. And it's one of those things. I don't know that going directly to politicians and trying to change things that way is the way to do it, but getting the population behind yep. something like we don't really want to be consuming this. I think that's kind of the our vision for this is just get the information out there, let people grow that information. And I think a lot of times it's what's going to cause change. And, and even if it's not on a, like a policy level in companies is their market asking for this sort of stuff. So, yeah. so perfect start- example of that is, I'm sorry to interrupt, but a perfect example of that is Walmart. For a long time, Walmart and Target looked very different and Target was kind of the bougie, but consumers wanted Walmart to have more organic options, more healthy options, and they listened. So we very much can change what we're given. We very much can change what manufacturers are giving us by using our voice in that way and by only purchasing from products that are die-free and and only purchasing from companies that are this way and, and writing to companies and saying, this is what I want to see. And that it does make a difference. It seems like we're kind of on the precipice of this, like, there are companies that have, are already making that shift. There's like Panera Bread and Dunkin' Donuts and yeah. and uh, Starbucks has shifted to most of their stuff is, is die-free. So there are companies that are seeing this and for whatever reason they're making that change. That's part of that's that right now. So we've got the we've got the researchers, we've got the families. Our next step is we do want to talk to some of these companies that have already made the decision. Trader Joe's, call me. Trader yeah. Joe's or yeah, like these companies that. Like Dunkin', Dunkin' Donuts would be great. They're a company that makes sweets that... It's also interesting, too, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there are companies that make food for, like, the UK mm-hmm. and for other countries that don't allow dyes in foods or, like, right. specific dyes and that make them for here, but the ones for here still contain these things. And I'm 100%. like, why are you making two separate foods? Yeah, we're not going to say any names. No, because, because don't I don't come know after any me. of those names. Oh, well, we do. But um, yeah. there are candies that, that we consume yeah. here in the U.S. that are full of dyes, very colorful, chocolatey candies that are here that are full of dyes. But in Europe, they are not. Yeah. So it's... Well, you can even look at the labels. Like, if you look at the labels for the European version of, like, certain cereals or certain candies, like... The list of ingredients like is like quad versus tripled on the American version versus the yeah. yeah it's and crazy. there's I've been really fortunate and I've done a lot of traveling, but there's also this idea that like chocolate tastes better from European countries or from the UK, and everyone's like, well, I don't understand why it's the same brand or it's Probably the same whatever. Full of chemicals and I'm like, here. because there's half the amount of ingredients. It's like <laughs> cocoa and milk. Yeah. So yes, I I'm familiar with some of that. Thank you so much for being here. I know we've talked about your website. Do you want to 
go ahead and plug your social medias or where else people can find you. Yeah, so to die for the documentary, we have a Facebook page and then we also have an Instagram. That's probably the best way to find us. Okay, feel free to, um, and you, what is your, like your Etsy and your website? Um, so my website is brandonkwood.com. So that's pretty pretty easy. Kwood is C-A-W-O-O-D. A lot of times people misspell that. Uh, we have some local stuff like Experience Dalton. The There's a Facebook group for that, but it, it's really mainly an Instagram page. Well, y'all are managing a lot of outlets, but that's awesome. Well, great. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really Thank excited to us. hear more about or like to see more about the documentary. Um, as you guys get closer to launching it, I would love to have you guys back on okay. to talk about sort of the experience from like fundraising and like we're getting ready to go and the idea to completion. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us today here at the H2B Creative Fuse podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe, whether you listen on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. H2B Creative is located in downtown Dalton and is here to assist with all of your marketing needs. Check us out at h2bcreative.com or creativefusepodcast.com or any of our social channels. Until next time, stay creative.